0: Hi, Todd. What are you drinking?
1: Uh, today, uh, I have a lovely Corona Extra with a lime. I actually had a lime in the refrigerator to put in there. So, yeah, delicious Corona. I um, just got done working in the backyard, so nice to have a little drink after that. We uh, did I tell you about our water problems? <laughs> no. No, okay. Well, let me let me ask you what you ha- what you're drinking, and then we can uh, we can talk about my yard. It's Funny you should bring up
0: water. I'm drinking sparkling water. Ooh. We have a tap in the office. Well, actually, all our taps in the office can uh, supply hot water, cold water, or sparkling. So I'm drinking sparkling. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you know how we have like a there's a couple of buttons. There's like a red one for hot water, a blue one for cold. But if you push or Pull both of them, then you get sparkling water. Cold sparkling water.
1: Is it just like non-flavored, or is there it's like a flavor of the day? Yeah, it's
0: just plain. Wow, that's cool. So you have to add your own syrup, like an animal.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's pretty cool. Wow.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm having plain sparkling water because I had a a dentist um, oh, yeah. um, kind of intervention last Friday. So I'm like, nah.
1: Oof. Tell us about that.
0: Ooh, I uh, I had breakfast cereal a few years ago and there was a a shell from a walnut loose amongst my cereal and I was probably very hungry and I took an extra strong bite and cracked the molar wide open. Ooh, and I kind of dragged my feet for a few years and finally I, uh, I listened to my dentist and went to take out the... Uh, cracked bone or cracked molar Mm -hmm. so i can maybe go through a whole implant procedure and replace that molar with a fake one yeah not pleasant at all
1: no it's not i've i've had a little bit of dental work done and it's funny so another thing we have in common i just i went to the dentist last week i think it was thursday maybe but it was just a regular you know cleaning no no surgery no drilling none of that stuff but man, dentistry—it's like necessary, but it's just so—I don't know. I'm not a doctor, right? But it just doesn't seem the same advance in technology as the rest of medical field. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll lose some—we'll lose some listeners, but
0: yeah, or give them toothaches. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so if you're listening, take a break now. Go brush your teeth and come back.
1: <laughs> right, right. You know they always yell at me about flossing. I'm like, I'm never gonna floss. It's just, it's too hard. <laughs> I'm never gonna do it. <laughs> I'm never gonna do it. I, mean, I have, I'm I, 35 years. I've done it like four times in my life. Like.
0: I have a. I don't know. Here's the thing. I have a special thing called an air flosser. And it's actually quite fun. Um, It projects like air or water between your teeth. So you can add like mouthwash.
1: Yeah, we call them a water pick. Water pick. Water pick. Yeah. I think it's a brand.
0: So mine is a Philips, Sonic Air, whatever. Yeah. And. That is mostly fun, but the problem is, water somehow manages to also come out from my mouth <laughs> when I use it. Oh, yeah. So when I finish the whole, my like, mirror in the bathroom is just covered <laughs> in gunk. It's just gross. So I'm like, yeah, well, I tried that.
1: <laughs> See, I'm afraid of that thing. I've I've wanted to do it, but I'm so afraid of like cutting my gums open. It seems like it's like a, like a, I don't know, like it. Like a laser, like a water laser thing. I'm going to like cut my mouth in a million pieces. I've been too afraid.
0: The one I have has like three levels of strength and the uh, lowest level is actually just just like s- squirting some water. The third level, however, just blows anything that could be still between <laughs> your teeth. Like it does blow <laughs> my gums wide open. Like I finish and I'm bleeding still. It's just crazy. Yeah. Fun. Okay, so now that it's yeah. just you and I,
1: you <laughs> know, right? Bye.
0: <laughs> still, still here. What happened to your backyard water situation?
1: So we have uh, not a problem, but like we're our backyard's kind of a low spot with the neighbors, so we get um, a lot of the water in our backyard, and we have. Um, because we're in the city, so we have um a small yard, and there's like a storm drain, like a sewer thingy. No, a sewer. It's like a storm drain. In the backyard, it's supposed to collect the water, but it doesn't really work the best, <laughs> you know. So um, I've been in the backyard putting in a French drain. Have you heard of a French drain? Nope. So it's like a trench that you dig, and then you put in this special kind of fabric, And you put in a perforated tube and then gravel and then you like cover the whole thing up and you can't see it anymore. But the idea is that, you know, now there's this cavity down below and a tube where the water goes in and carries the water away to the the storm drain. So, yep, I've been doing that for a while now um, because it's been so rainy. It's been hard to do stuff. And then also just like life is really busy, you know, so we like haven't been home for me to finish it so i was out there today finishing it and um now i'm enjoying a corona which is nice (laughs) that's cool and finally talking to you like it has been so long i'm i'm sorry for that
0: i we should blame apple they scheduled wwc in june like so rude
1: yeah yeah wwc you want to talk about it
0: yeah let's talk about it um so i was there Uh, From the Saturday, so I arrived Saturday, the conference started uh, on Monday morning. I like to get there maybe a day or so before there's a bunch of stuff going on. And um, it's really good, I think, to be rested when the conference starts because it is a five-day conference rather than a three-day conference like with I/O. So it goes from Monday to Friday, and not to exaggerate, but at Friday at 5:20, I was still in a lab, speaking to the what was he, head of future future projects or something like that. So they are all still on deck, uh, really engaged. Nice. I've been going to Dub Dub, Dub DC Dub Dub. I don't know mm-hmm. since 2009 maybe. Wow. And yeah, it's been a while. And um, 10 years, geez. Yeah, right? I know, that goes fast. (laughs) (laughs) Showing my age. Um, But I think this would be maybe either the first or the second biggest event in terms of impact or announcements. So um, if you happen to work with Apple's platforms, you will be busy for a long time. Uh, Maybe five years ago when they announced Swift, there was quite... their inroads into machine learning and stuff, that was another really good one. But just to give you an idea, as projects they've been working on for more than five years or um have been announced. Like their answer to Alex Swift is called Combine or Reactive Swift. Yeah. Um there's also um you may be familiar with um Jetpack uh Compose or with uh, with um Yeah, Compose. Flutter, Apple has a yeah, Apple has an answer for that as well. It's called uh Swift UI. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe it's not fair to call it an answer because after speaking to folks who worked on the project, uh turns out it's been in the works for more than three years. So um um there was no jetback Compose three years ago. Of course, you'll see, like, if you happen to be an Android fan, you'll be like, ha Apple woke up. And if you're an Apple fan, you'll be like, ha ha, Apple's been doing this for years and it's only ready now, <laughs> you know, the whole yeah. Yeah. fanboy wars. And I, I was blown away. Like I'm not usually easily, I know, impressed by tech announcements. Like, my workmates here would... Probably point out that I was a skeptic when Swift was announced, and I didn't push back necessarily by preventing from being used in production for the first maybe couple of years because it was mm-hmm. just so, you know, it was a movable target and it was like introducing code that from day one. But then seeing Swift UI and seeing how many problems it solves and how well it does it, it although it's just V1. It really blew me away. So to give you an idea, watchOS did not have a native UI library. That's no longer a problem. Um, The way you define things, the way you work with the tools, the two-way interaction between cutting or writing code and seeing it in a simulator and interacting with the simulator and uh, testing multiple variations, localizations, screen sizes and whatnot all at the same time in real time. That was not supposed to be possible for a V1. You know what I mean? Like it looked really mature from like very, very early on. The area where it gets really tricky is the Swift UI is not magic. Um, It's really built on top of some Extensions that Apple is proposing to add to Swift. Like, let's not forget, Swift is an open source programming language. So, they they build these yeah. things that they didn't actually share with the community properly until they've announced Swift UI. And now come the pull requests for, um, they will enable Swift UI. So, can you imagine what would happen if Apple was not leading the Swift open source project? Imagine if somebody could say, Actually, we are going to reject your pull request and there can be no Swift UI. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a benevolent dictator kind of position that Apple is in. So that's smarter people than me, like Matt on nshipster.com, have kind of decomposed this dilemma uh, in some really good write house. Maybe we'll put a link to the uh, blog post here mm-hmm. in the show notes. But that was Swift was just Incredible. Um, if if you know people who build products for Apple's platforms and are still kind of rejecting Swift or still embracing the whole Objective C lifestyle, they are at risk of becoming dinosaurs real fast. Like real fast. Really? Yeah. It's just. Wow from now on, virtually everything is Swift. Like I was joking, I was at the conference, and after day two, I had heard the word Android being uttered on stage more times than Objective-C. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it it was just, everything Swift now. This is a Swift first um, or only um, library. It it leverages the programming language um, in ways that Objective-C just could not. uh, It's modern, Mm -hmm. it's safe, it's fast. It's, yeah, it really was unbelievable. Um, and that's just like talking about, say, two of the pillars, if you like, or announcements from the conference. But there was so much that, um, like, I was trying to take notes for the local Cocoa Heads Wellington. We have a meetup next Monday. And... Um, I I got to like 40 slides. I was like, I need to go and trim back because there's, there's no way I can cover all of this. And there's so many end user like facing announcements that would be just magical, really. Um, um they they've basically gone and pushed out stuff that they were kind of hoping of hoping to announce they say last year and they canceled last minute. So all of that stuff kind of made it into this year. Yeah. And I'm not talking about dark mode and other stuff like that that people will notice. Like if you, you know, when you look back in time, say six months from now, and you ask someone, hey, what was new about iOS 13? Most likely people will say, oh, dark mode or whatever. But in reality, there's a lot that has been announced that's come out that is really, really impressive. Yeah. And subtle things, say, you know, uh, say Bluetooth wireless speaker uh, splitters, you can now pair multiple say AirPods, AirPods with your iPhone and then you can listen to the same stuff or you can hand off songs, like you bump into somebody with another iPhone and you can just listen to the same stuff or, um, and that's just like basic stuff. They have more than I think 10 talks on machine learning, like really impressive, powerful stuff they're doing to ARKit 3.0. They have uh, an entire new suite of apps called Reality Composer. where You know, it enables you to go and build models and objects and just throw them out there in AR and um, people can now be detected in AR. They, you know, objects can avoid them and interact with them and stuff. It's just really, really powerful. So if if we go if we were to just go like platform by platform, we know we'd be here for a long time. But wow. say Apple Watch independent and autonomous apps now. So you can build apps that don't require iPhone, which you know Android has had like for a while, I suppose. But how how many Android apps have you used on your
1: watch? Oh my gosh. I mean I have uh Android Wear or Wear OS or whatever and I don't know. I don't even really wear my watch that much anymore. It's not I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just me. Or maybe it was the platform, but it was never, um, it wasn't a huge draw to me,
0: you know? But the stuff that people wanted, like um, this audiobook support, calculator, voice recorder stuff, health related, I mean, uh, primarily Apple Watch is a health device for most of its users. Yeah. There's now cycle tracking. Let's not forget more than half the population. Uh, would benefit from having a a cycle tracker. Um, there's activity trends. There's um, noise a noise app. They can tell you when you're in an, a really noisy, unhealthy environment. Really. So there's a lot. Yeah, it's very impressive.
1: Yeah, they've. It it seems like they've done a lot more with the Apple Watch on the health front. Than, yeah, which ironically than there's still has. no
0: sleep tracking. But oh well, I use third party apps and they work quite well. Yeah, and then. So that will say watch. But then on iOS, there's a lot of stuff that will make your devices better. Like say, I'll pick one of my favorite features, which I don't even know if they talked much about it. When you say plug your iPhone in to charge overnight, it no longer charges to 100%. It can now charge to 80% and then it uses your behavior, you know, on-device machine learning, la-la-la, to detect when you're likely to unplug your iPhone. So then it gives it the last 20% of the charge as the burst right before you're likely to unplug because lithium-ion batteries degrade when they are kept fully charged. So they're trying to reduce the amount of time that your battery spends like fully charged. And that will lengthen the life of your iPhone and will, you know, make the battery last longer, therefore better customer satisfaction, whatever. And this is like simple smart stuff that oh, yeah. people don't even notice, you
1: know? And like, Right, well that's the delight, right? You're not supposed to notice it. Or you're not supposed to be um, actively like thinking and monitoring and, you know, oh my battery on my phone, I gotta unplug it and you know, maybe I'll try to plug it in at work and then leave it unplugged all night. Like, no, you don't want to it's too much management it's it's you just want to do it for them yeah that's right intelligently
0: there's a groundbreaking new feature coming to iOS are you sitting down yeah there's a a new keyboard called quick path you can just like swipe your <laughs> finger on a screen yeah yeah <laughs> you've never heard know.
1: this it's really earth shattering stuff so there was no swipe i mean whatever that company was that first came out with it a long time ago.
0: There there have been third-party apps, just not uh, Apple's first-party app. Sorry, first-party keyboard did not support swipe gestures.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've... uh, So I had an iPhone. I mean, like a million years ago, I had an iPhone 3G. So it was like the second one, maybe. And I still think back then... That the the keyboard, like when you're typing, when you're just using your thumbs and you're typing, you know, like it's still better than an Android keyboard. Um, now the swipe. So I've used swipe. It's way more accurate to do that. But like if I'm have you know both my hands on my phone and I'm typing with my thumbs, like it, there's just a million mistakes all the time. Like the predictive is not
0: not great. I saw a comparison. Uh, like a heat map of where the actual touch points are on iPhone keyboards. And it might explain why so many people are like, hey, it's, this is strange. This is not working. So if I give you my iPhone and you try to type, you won't have the same impression. Because apparently yeah. they use machine learning to uh, detect where you actually press when you mean to press a certain letter. So it could actually be... yeah. And there's this uh, awesome demo where on iPad you can go into split keyboard mode, and you can tap in the mm-hmm. space between the left hand side and the right hand side, and it still triggers letters that normally
1: would be there. Well, they should learn the individual user, correct? Like I've heard of this. I don't know very much at all, and uh, I don't know. There's other people that know way more about this, but like in like modern cars, right? Like the transmission changes based on the driver's behavior like it learns the driver and like if you're going to let up on the pedal like just before it shifts like it won't shift so it's not shifting and then downshifting. like cars have been doing this for a while um modern cars so like yeah why not like i'm pretty much the only user of my phone so you know keep track of my mistakes and know that i was trying to hit you know j instead of h or something
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's too bad um, those kinds of cars are not going to be here for a while, (laughs) said the (laughs) the guy driving an EV. (laughs) My local supermarket today actually um, um, just unveiled their um, EV charging points. We have two spots now. We can charge our cars as we do our shopping. I actually got got a message from uh, the actual owner of the franchise. (laughs) So I met with him this morning, yeah. Oh, let's go. Yeah, so a lot of stuff happening with iOS. Um, there's one cool little feature um, called HomeKit Secure Video. You can now uh, so my I have HomeKit for a lot of stuff in my house or HomeKit support, and now Apple is offering like free between clouds free because you have to be on a paid iCloud tier, uh, free cloud storage for your HomeKit surveillance videos. Um, so that's really neat. That's cool. But yeah, the um, really the spotlight was stolen, softwareized by iPad OS. So Apple's gone on this like complete full circle thing. It started with iPhone OS, then added iPad, and then turned it into iOS, and now iPads become its own thing. Yeah. And I don't. Th- I think we should dedicate like an entire episode sometime just to what's new with iPad OS. I I'm loving this. The way they've done multi-window now is really great. Uh, a lot of really cool productivity gestures like. Two finger taps to select some stuff. Three fingers to copy paste. Do undo, whatever. Like really intuitive too. Um, stuff like finally, uh, Safari is a full browser, so you can use stuff like Google Docs in a browser. I know it's crazy, but it's happened. Uh, file system support.
1: <laughs> it's funny. I use Chrome on yeah. my iPad.
0: Well, you won't need to anymore. You see, um, um uh, the stuff like file system support. So you can plug in a drive and browse it and do stuff yeah, it's really good. photo imports straight into apps um sidecar so sidecar is yeah, that's interesting. Have you heard of it
1: oh well, yeah, I've heard of it now and okay. it's uh go ahead it, I have interesting thoughts
0: so you can basically so you can basically set up your iPad to be a second screen or third screen or whatever for your Mac, and then you can continue engaging with it using uh, Apple Pencil. So you can, for designers, that could be really good. Or say you're doing a presentation, you just take it away with you, and you know you can bring it back. And it could be like I'm using it right now, actually. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so it's um, it's
1: actually quite awesome. Do you think it's the, the precursor to the, to the touchscreen on a MacBook? Well, they have added through accessibility, speaking of
0: touchscreen, they've added um, support for mouse and keyboard to iPad OS. So they are saying that's a feature for people who cannot use the device in another way. I think once more and more apps, so one of the cool things about iPadOS is that you can now build apps for iPad and turn on support for Mac with Project Catalyst, which was called Marzipan previously. So the apps that you would build for iPad or iOS, you can now very easily bring over to the Mac. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So once more and more of these apps are optimized for MacOS, I would be very surprised if Apple doesn't have an answer for those who want to interact with those user interfacing using touch?
1: Well, I mean, the demo, right? The artists, where they're, mm-hmm. like, they have it connected to their to their Mac and they're drawing on an iPad because it's the only, you know, touch surface that they have other than some professional device. But, but yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see.
0: You'll probably come. I just don't know if you. It- I don't know if macOS will be the macOS that we have today. And speaking of macOS, I think it's one of the biggest winners at WDC this year. And it might be counterintuitive, but macOS developers were as good as gone. Like how many indie Mac devs do you know? Yeah. Right. You know, like I went to a meetup and I saw Manton Reese and saw from far away, Daniel Jalka, but I, that's pretty much how many macOS devs I know who are, you know, indie devs. Um, and now, virtually more than a million people who build um, iOS apps can now, you know, target macOS. And if they do it with, you know, caution or good design, you know, uh, if they think about it carefully, they can do a really good job for macOS. And um, that would be really interesting to watch because macOS is still a very popular platform. And we spend, if you think about your day you probably spend more time in front of a Mac than you spend on your phone. So in terms of opportunity, oh yeah. In terms of opportunity, it's a huge one. So I'm for the first time in a long time I'm very optimistic. And also if I look at what Apple has been doing with the hardware in the last maybe couple of years or 3 years, I'm just going to take them back. Uh, Mac Pro was announced. I got to see it and touch it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah in person at WWC yeah it looks amazing it's not for me but it looks amazing then before that we have uh, we had even a Mac mini got an incredible update so it's not like a Mac mini meh it's a Mac mini pro you know it's really powerful and then we have the um, iMac pro and the iMac pro is my preferred device like if I could only have one Mac I'd probably go for the uh, Mac pro so I think those devices plus, um, you know, getting access to a million developers might actually breathe some fresh life into into the Mac. So I'm very excited about that. Cool, cool. There's a lot of like apps coming to the Mac as well, so that's really cool. Um, they did kill Dashboard. I I miss Dashboard. I used to use Dashboard quite a bit.
1: Really? I always open it by accident, and I'm like, oh, what's the? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I used to use it for like web snippets, so you could.
1: Oh yeah, they had little widget things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I could select yeah. a part of a, a oh. web page and say, "Net, nah, you should always be available when I want to see you."
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Wow. you know what's really cool? TVOS and iPadOS um, or iOS. We now have uh, controller support, so Xbox and PlayStation Four controllers. So you can. Oh yeah. So I have a PlayStation Four, and PlayStation have yeah. a, a remote app. PlayStation yep. remote, But then if you want to use your PlayStation using the app, you have to use touch interfaces. And that's just like obscuring the screen and it's not great. But now you go, I have an iPad, I'm running uh, the PlayStation remote app, and then I'm controlling that using an, a PlayStation 4 controller. All of a sudden, my kids can watch Peppa Pig or whatever, and I can play PlayStation 4 on my iPad, which is quite cool.
1: That's cool.
0: Yeah, it's really neat. I mean... I guess we could also like do stuff together, but maybe some other time. Um, and um, yeah, there's a lot that was announced. Multi-user for HomePod and for Apple TV, stuff that you know has been in the Google space for a while. Um, Apple Pay in AR, so you can do some AR stuff and then, yep,
1: <laughs> clip the <laughs> ticket. Yeah, well, Yeah. all right.
0: Um, a lot of announcements. And Maps yeah. got a really great update, the Maps app. They seem to be doubling down on maps, yes yeah. it's, it's very impressive
1: Do you like the maps?
0: Oh, when I travel, I usually use Google Maps because uh, I can save offline
1: just because it's robust
0: No no, no, it's because I can save offline the maps. That's a feature that Apple Maps hasn't been mm. offering. so I can go and say, no, I'm going to travel to these areas and I, I don't know how spotty coverage will be for you know cellular, so just save the maps offline right but when I say navigate around town. I prefer Apple maps. I mean to be fair in Wellington we haven't had like <laughs> too many ditches I could drive my car into. But um <laughs> I also find the local I, I'm one of those very few people who report a lot. Like I come across something that's not correct. I go and I report it to both Apple and Google. Yeah. Apple currently has a turnaround time of two or three days. So they go and they fix the issue, and it's, it's, they send you a push notification saying thanks. Google takes weeks,
1: yeah, weeks
0: for it to be fixed
1: to fix the map. Yeah,
0: but then Google does something else, which they go and they send me an email say, "Hey, your correction was uh, shown to twenty thousand people, so thanks for that or stuff like that." So it's yeah, that's kind of they go. have different yeah, it's really neat, but um, I find it. I have heard
1: of this. What's that? Of uh, Google not being very responsive. So my sister, um the place that she worked at, uh, they had mapped a bunch of private roads uh, at her company. And, uh, you know, people aren't supposed to be driving on those roads because they're private, you know, they're owned by the company. And, and um, gosh, I think maybe this was last IO that she was asking me to find somebody <laughs> and be like, hey, can you get them to remove these roads from Google Maps because they're not real roads and people try to try to go down them. So, yeah, I have heard of of Google Maps being less than responsive.
0: But I still find it to be a bit more accurate. I think Google Maps has uh, better lane guidance and some stuff like that. It's actually still better than Apple Maps. Anyway, maybe, maybe enough about WWDC. It was an incredible conference. People should watch this hundreds of videos if they care.
1: Well, I'm glad you had fun.
0: Yeah, it was very intense, like... I spent almost the entire time in labs, and um, yeah, I felt like I was not utilizing all the time. I feel like hours were just flying by, racing past. I was like,
1: right. no, like any more time. That's no, huge, right? <laughs> it's it's a big conference; you can't go to everything. I mean, same thing with Io. Like, you, there's just too much. So they are so different. as conferences
0: so different. Like, I was actually thinking one of the things I regret about Io is that. It's three days long, but then the distances between places yeah. are huge. Like walking from the, say, main stage at Shoreline to, say, 10th number seven or whatever, yeah, you had to allocate a good 10, 15 minutes for that trip.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, 10, 15 minutes is how long I was spending a lab speaking to an engineer. Oh. So they were... So being at the conference venue in San Jose, it was like on two stories, kind of, two or three stories. And I never had to walk for longer than, say, three minutes to get to another point of interest. Huh. Interesting. So I felt like in eight hours, I spent less time just walking aimlessly, you know, walking around for no reason. And we also didn't have the whole check the badge to get in and queuing nonsense and
1: Oh, to each session, yeah,
0: yeah. So they they did have queues, but they were very well. They were moving real fast, and I they, in many in my many years of going to Dub C, I've I've you know like gotten used to the fact that I could join a queue and not make it into a room. That never happened this year. I, I was able to get into all the talks I wanted to go to, and that was very good. Like really, really good. Enough Dub D C. Um, that's nice. All
1: right. Uh, so, uh, tell me about. You have an upcoming event. Well, in August.
0: Yeah, we have we have one. We have, yeah, we have Kotlin Extended. Um, so we are going to try for the first time. GDG Wellington is going to try to put together with Wellington .kt um, a Kotlin Extended event. What's Wellington .kt? It's Wellington Kotlin meetup group. Oh. Okay. Um, we're going to run a Kotlin extended event. So it's going to be a half day type thing. So we're going to start at one and maybe run with it late in the evening just because we are like restricted with funds. So by starting at one, we don't have to worry about breakfast, coffee, lunch, stuff like that. So hopefully people can have their own lunch and then come to the event. Um, So it looks like we might be able to bring some awesome international speakers to... But that does raise like a problem, so I wonder what you think. We we're trying to decide if we are going to charge for the tickets or not. And one of the risks with not charging is that we can only open to say a hundred people to come to the event, and we're afraid that people will say yes, I will come, but then they will not turn up. Right, because there's no risk associated with saying yes, I'm coming. But then somebody who actually wants to attend the talks might miss out because, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So when we have international speakers, say a GDE or a Googler or whatever, you want to be able to tell them, hey, you'll have between seventy-five and a hundred people in the audience. Right. But if they turn up, they flown from Sydney, they turn up and they say there's thirty people in the room. <laughs> yeah. Then mm-hmm. that's not great. Yeah. So what should we do, Todd? Should we
1: charge? Should we keep you free? (laughs) So the larger events, so our small uh, monthly meetups, uh, we don't charge for. Um, So those are just... We don't charge either. No, those are free. Um, And we usually have, oh, I don't know, maybe 40 or so sign up and then somewhere around half show up. So we've gotten pretty good at that, uh, knowing not to get too much food and drink and stuff. Uh, for 40. So, um, so we're getting good at that. But then, um, for our larger conferences that we have, uh, like once a year, or maybe some other sort of event like a Kotlin Extended, um, we charge for those. Uh, we charge for those mainly, um, because we need the money to be able to run the event, um, to pay for space, um, to get, you know, giveaways, to be able to pay for a flight for, um, for a speaker. So, um, so we charge for those, we have different rates for, you know, early bird, student, that kind of stuff. We do different rates. And then, um, we always have some sort of like scholarship type program. You know, if somebody wants to come and they can't afford it, we can figure something out. Um, you know, and we also ask uh, people to sponsor, uh, other, other people, uh, if they can't come. Uh, so yeah, I guess we have found that it's a much more accurate number, you know, almost everybody shows up if they pay for it. So that works. Um, and then, yeah, we pay for the conference and then anything left over, cause we do this with the, um, the, um, Detroit group, the Ann Arbor and the Detroit group put on our fest. and then any of the money that's left over, we just split it between the two groups. And we have that for our, um, you know, rest of the year to to pay for other events, Um, which is usually enough. Maybe not. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's nobody like nobody's making money, you know, like nobody's getting paid. (laughs) It's all like just enough to to pay for the community. Um, So, so yeah, I feel like the larger events kind of warrant, you know, paying. Um I've heard of other people have done schemes where like you pay for it and then when you show up you get a refund, you know. There's those sort of incentives. Um
0: that's interesting.
1: Yeah, like a deposit basically. Like you're taking a spot. So if you're not going to show up, we're going to keep your money, but if you show up then we'll refund.
0: Sounds like <laughs> ransom. <laughs>
1: I mean a little bit, but it also is that it, it helps alleviate that free problem, right? Where yeah. it's free and a hundred people sign up and you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to buy food and a venue and this whole thing, and then like fifteen people. And you know, you're like, Ugh. You're like, why why do people sign up and then not show up? So
0: Yeah, that's the show title right there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Cool. No, that's, thanks for the advice. That's really good, actually. Um, cool. Um, so that was, um, that was a, hey, we're running quite late and... Um, oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. Time flies when we're uh, having fun. Uh, how, uh, speaking of big events coming up, oof. You're, you've been looking at houses. We have,
1: yeah, houses. So this was kind of unexpected. Um, so it looks like we're going to be moving this summer, uh, but not far. You know, just out of town a little bit, maybe I don't know, ten minutes out of town. It's this town called Chelsea. Uh, it's where my wife works. So, um, so yeah, it. Uh, we were looking a while ago. We were looking for houses and property and stuff, and then we got frustrated because we couldn't find anything. So, a couple of months ago, we like threw our hands up and we were like, "All right, we're done with this. We're not going to think about it for a while." And then um, somebody that Jessica works with. Is deciding to move and they emailed the staff and were like, Hey, we're selling our house. Is anybody interested before we get a realtor? Um, Because I have no idea how real estate works for you, but like if you get a realtor, you have to pay them, you know, even if they don't do much. So they were trying to see if there was anybody that wanted to buy a house without a realtor and turns out that was us. (laughs) So,
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to like go through that process yourself.
0: So how did you break the news to the kids?
1: Um so it's been I mean there wasn't like a you know, we didn't sit down and we're like, "Hey kids," because they don't really they're too young, you know. They're the 2-year-old and 4-year-old the like they they I don't know. I don't they don't get it, but the 6-year-old um she kind of gets it. So we, um, we just told them, we were like, Oh, we're going to go look at a house. You know, what do you guys think? So we took them out and they ran around and they liked the house. Of course, like they like any house, I'm sure. It's new. (laughs) It's new. Yeah. So I don't know. We haven't really laid it on thick, but we've talked to a lot of people. Like I, I asked some friends and parents and all sorts of stuff and, the younger, the better. So that's what I hear. You know, the younger, the better to, to move them. So,
0: My five-year-old is so attached to our house. Right? We were talking about potentially moving one day and she almost cried. Yeah. And she, she got really upset because she really likes the house. Everything that she knows is there. And she's a very safe, attached child to the house.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good.
0: I have a feeling the... um the young one won't care very much. She's a very different has a different type of personality. Yeah. But um, like when we go, like say Mara's favorite thing to do is ride horses and there was a house not too far away from where we go riding on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, like, Hey, well, would you say if you know one day maybe we moved here and be really close to your horse or maybe have our own horse? And she was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Uh, when can we? But we must keep the house too. <laughs> so we must keep the current <laughs> house. Yeah. So she was like, I want this, but I'm not letting go of the house. Right. So it's really, it's become the house. Yeah. And yeah. So it's tricky. And I think you're right. The longer you wait, the, it's the tough. more difficult it gets. Because they develop friendships on the street and nearby and everything's familiar and
1: Just more traumatic experience, I think, when they get older. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be a piece, a chunk of the summer before this is over. So we just got stuff started, like end of last week. So, so we're at the beginning stage. So how long do you think it's going to take? Well, so we have to sell our house. So
0: I thought you just sent an email to the rest of the school saying I'm selling my house. Isn't yeah. that how he goes?
1: No, no. So, um, so yeah, these people, you know they they're gonna wait, which is nice. Uh, they're gonna wait for us to to sell our house, uh, and then they're gonna move into condo or apartment or something smaller. Um, so, so yeah, we had our realtor come over today that we've worked with in the past, and um, get things started. So, there's a few projects, some stuff I gotta fix and finish. So. I don't know. It's Ann Arbor is like fortunately it's a a really good market here. So like if we were to list it today, like we well, let's just say our last house which was across the street. Our last house, we sold it in 4 days and that was during Christmas. We had like a Christmas tree in the living room and we <laughs> sold it to a Jewish couple. <laughs> which is pretty awesome. cool. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the week of Christmas, you know, tree, the whole thing. And yeah, so it was super quick. Um, so down here, yeah, I mean, we're lucky that it's like, you got to be ready, you know? So yeah, today I was like, we can't list it today. We can't list it today. I'm like, I got stuff to do. We got things we got to fix and get ready and finish. I'm like, we need at least like a week or something or two weeks before we, you know, we list it. So.
0: Oh, boy. So, yeah. Fun. Well, I hope it goes well and you you get a good deal.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot of pieces to move. Uh, Yeah, a deal. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah,
0: a deal. Yeah. Hope you get a good deal.
1: I don't know. Houses are just expensive. Mm. They're expensive.
0: But then again, with your new house, uh, based on the... Pictures I saw, I imagine you're going to have to buy a lot of new stuff,
1: like a ride-on mower. And <laughs> oh, I don't know. See, yeah, there's a, it's a big yard, so it's like a two-acre. There's two acres out there, and there's probably, I don't know, an acre of grass. The rest of it's woods and stuff. But when I was growing up, we had a, an enormous yard, and we had like a little walk-behind mower, you know. So it took me like an hour and a <laughs> half to cut the grass, because that was my job. So, like, I was out there for like an hour and a half, you know, cutting the grass, and uh, I don't know, it's not the worst thing in the world.
0: You know, we don't have that problem in New Zealand. That's why we have so many sheep.
1: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Funny. Well, yeah, it wasn't until I moved out of my parents' house that my dad bought this like enormous riding lawnmower, and it's like, I mean, it takes like 20 minutes now. Like, it's... I'm like, why didn't we have that when I was doing it? <laughs> you know? But oh well. So, anyway, uh, yeah.
0: So, if people want to know how your home buying is going, they should follow you on Twitter. Yeah. At Toddeland. That's triple D.
1: Yep. Yep. That works. And uh, if people want to get in contact with you, they can follow you on Twitter and M- Mastodon social uh, at Nick T M R O.
0: That's me. So, until next time.
1: Keep in touch.